Welcome to the Guides Gone Wild podcast. What is Guides Gone Wild, you ask? This is where you'll fill your ears and minds with the stories of everyday, extraordinary women who will inspire you to take your outdoor adventure game to the next level. Whether you're starting your journey from the couch or the trailhead, this is the place for you, so let's get a little wild. Welcome to Guides Gone Wild. This is your host, Jen. And I have to start out by saying, if you don't get some inspiration from this one, you have a heart of stone. Krista Alderdice is one of the founders of Blue Collar Runners, a website devoted to telling the stories of ordinary people who love to run. Krista and her husband, Guy, got into ultra running as so-called grown-ups, Guy in his mid-30s, and Krista in 2015 after a horrifying injury that we talk about in this interview. On one of their training runs together, Krista and Guy hatched the idea of Blue Collar Runners, and the profiles they started posting on their website later caught the attention of Ultra Running Magazine, which now hosts a recurring feature profile from BCR, as they call it, on the ultrarunning.com website. Krista and I talk about the link between the outdoors and mental health, whether it always makes sense to push your limits, and how inspiration often comes from the most unexpected places. So let's lace up and get to it with Krista Alderdice. Krista Alderdice, welcome to Guides Gone Wild. It's so awesome to have you here this morning. Thanks for having me. Oh my gosh, totally my pleasure. Um, Krista was another referral I got from a friend of mine who lives in Vermont who was like, oh, if you think Laura's cool, you should talk to Krista too. And Krista is equally as cool. And, and as I poked into what she's doing and her background, um, I think that you all will think she's super cool too. So um, I don't want to give away the, the farm, but Krista is um, an ultra runner. She and her husband own a business. They um, have a website called Blue Collar Runners that we're going to get into that I think is just freaking awesome. And yeah, so Krista, welcome. And, and why don't you just start out and tell us a little bit about yourself and kind of what it took to kind of get you outside and to where you are today. Sounds good. Well, thanks for having me. Um, I'm happily married to my high school sweetheart. Um, we live in Vermont, which is, uh, you know, I feel blessed at this moment in time to live where we live. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> we have two uh, amazing boys. One we just sent off to college, which was very tearful. <laughs> um, but I think, you know, we, we did okay. Um, he seems to be thriving. And, uh, who's 18 and Jace, who is almost 16. So Two boys. Um, again, they are kind of my best job I've ever done, I guess, if I'm going to say my, my most important job of being a mom, first and foremost. And, you know, love where we live. I, I, I kind of go back to Laura's story a little bit of why we live where we live. And it is because of the Vermont 100, which is kind of funny. Um, lived up near Burlington. And if I rewind way back, um, my dad was in the military. Um, so we kind of bebopped around. We lived down in South Georgia, Mississippi, landed back up in Burlington area um, in Jericho. And that's where I met Guy in high school. And kind of down to the Vermont 100 every year, starting in year 2000. And that was just something we just loved when we got down here, there was endless dirt roads and the community was amazing and kind of said, I want to, we want to live down here. So um, kudos to Laura for starting everything she did because we love where we live today. So yeah, when you started coming down to the Vermont 100, were you running it or like, how did you even know about it or get into ultra running in the first place? 
So that was, I was an endurance rider. Um, so I started riding um, when I was about seven. And that was, again, from my love for my mom. Um, she's a, an amazing horsewoman and, and taught me everything about horses and, and the love of horses. So I started doing endurance probably in the late 90s um, and ended up coming down in 2001 for the Vermont 100 for my first 100-mile race. Um, I had done, you know, different 50s along the east, eastern seaboard, um, seacoast. And this one just, I don't know, it just is pure magic. I hope anyone who can come either volunteer or run or ride, it's, it's probably one of the best events in the world. I mean, obviously I'm a little biased, but so I started out as a horse girl um, and always saw these crazy runners and I was like, what are they doing? <laughs> I was much happier being on my horse than, um, than I would be on my feet. Um, I ran a little bit in high school, cross country, but I was never considered myself per se a runner and really didn't run in my 20s, little bit in my late 30s, but um, horses was kind of where I was at. And then I guess I could talk about what changed that was an accident in um, 2015, it was March, it was cold and I was getting ready for a 50 mile race in New Jersey. So I was kind of doing one last um, conditioning ride. So it was like a, probably like a 15 mile ride. And I was leading my horse out of the barn um, at a friend's house and her horse came just barreling. He raised my right elbow, my right arm up over my face and um, she connected. So it, it shattered my elbow in about 10 places. Oof, yikes. Now what year was that? Cause we lost you for a second there. Oh, that's okay. That was 2015. Oh, 2015. Oh, wow. So that that wasn't that, I mean, yep. some people out there think that was a long time ago. That wasn't that long. That wasn't no, that long. No, so that rocked my world. And I had, you know, surgery pretty much the next day, um, met with my surgeon. And I was a mess. I mean, I was a mess emotionally, physically, you know, think of a moment in time that really will change the course of your life. And at that moment, I, I wasn't sure I was okay with that. Um, horses were my life, you know, besides my family, but, you know, I was out all the time riding and, and I, that's kind of what I was used to, you know, I've been doing it since I was seven. Um, so my world just kind of got taken away. That, that sounds like, yeah, I mean, you're understating the fact that it was just this pivotal life-changing event. So, and, and again, this was like five years ago. I, my, my mind is blown right now. So until that time you were, you were riding Yep. So I was so what was your, did you, did you get back on a horse? Like, so it, it was, I have to say it was a tough stretch. I had about three days a week of PT. Now when you break, you know, a bone is as terrible as that is, it's very different than breaking a joint, um, again, into like 10 different pieces. So I have two plates on either side of my elbow to hold it together. And then I have about 17 screws or pins holding it. So it's kind of like a bionic arm, which Holy is, cow. You know, I can kind of chuckle at it now. Um, I could not then. I did a lot of therapy for like PTSD. I did hypnosis. Um, I wanted to get back so bad to my life. I kind of felt like my life was taken from me. And that sounds dramatic in, in its own way. But when you're in the middle of something that you're going through, it's okay. It's okay to be sad. And it's okay to kind of let yourself just breathe it in, if, if I'm going to say that. Um, I have a support system. I mean, my husband and my kids were utterly amazing. There was a moment when I was so down that my husband wrote me the sweetest letter. 
and, and kind of tell all about these people that have had different, you know, issues with their arms. And so it, it was, it was a beautiful moment for me to read that and say, you know what, I can, I can do this. I can figure this out. Yeah. But I can imagine with that much damage, I mean, you have no idea what your future is going to look like really. Cause I have to believe that your mobility was completely destroyed and you know i don't know about nerves and i mean i just can't even imagine thinking like what is this going to look like on the back end like yeah and my mobility compromise like i really can't bend or straighten my arm all that much on the right side i have very limit limited mobility on that but it it's a great running position <laughs> it loves to be in the running position so yeah that, that will get <laughs> there you go <laughs> see <laughs> and that is and that is what multiple years of therapy will do. <laughs> yeah. Turn that turn that frown right around. That's right. Um so yeah, so I had a great surgeon um you know kind of patched me back together um and I would slowly kind of introduce myself back in the farmyard. We you know I had Arabians that are kind of bred to race. I was really quite competitive in the endurance side of it and you know I I really like to go for top 10 um if I could be top 5. Um, so I was pretty competitive in that sense of my life. And so I ended up getting, um, a tiny little donkey named Sweepy. And she was actually like a godsend. She was some, you know, an animal that I could kind of be around, but not as big as the horses. So she's kind of like our little farm mascot. So she was kind of, she was your gateway drug back into. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. So it took me a long time. And then basically that September of 2015, I really tried to go back into my sport full blown. It was way too early. I had tried several training rides. My mom had been conditioning my horse to get ready for it was the North Americans up in Canada. And, you know, I'm like, I'm tough enough. I can do this. This is, and I had a full blown panic attack and I've never had one of those. I literally thought I was dying. I was in the trailer, just bawling my eyes out. My heart was pounding. I had a complete and utter meltdown up in Canada. And I said, I cannot ride. I can't do this. I can't be here. I just, this is too much too fast. There was a lot of horses from all over the US, all over Canada. It was a big race and it was way too early. It was way too early. Yeah. I would say that less than a year after completely shattering your arm, mm-hmm. I, it's fair. <laughs> That's yeah. A yeah. And I didn't put the work in on the actual horse. I just said, I can will myself to do this. And I, and I couldn't, and, and I had to accept that. And it, was, and it was okay. Like I was like, I'm okay. So my husband and my boys brought me back home and I really started to delve into the, you know, the mental side of it. And that's when I, I said, you know what, I'm going to put some shoes on and I'm going to lace up my shoes and I'm going to get outside again and do something that gets, you know, gets my heart pounding, gets my blood flowing. And, um, you know, I had done a little bit of running with friends, kind of more social side of it and to stay in shape for riding. And ever since then, I've been kind of full blown into the, into the ultra world, which has been my savior. I mean, it's been a a huge transformation for me, um, to go from one kind of, uh, different endurance sport to another endurance sport, but very, they're very similar. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about that a little, because as I was saying before we got on to the recording, like I'm still trying to, as much as I've gone and watched some of these endurance events and they're super inspiring and the people, you know, the people that do them and just watching the whole thing unfold, but I I cannot wrap my hand. I can't even wrap my head around training for a marathon, honestly, because of the mental thing as much as anything. Yes. What, 
I guess you probably already had that mental toughness for doing endurance sports just from the riding, but you know, now it's like, it's your body getting (laughs) just pounded and (laughs) like, tell me about what, what made you go like, you know, totally leapfrog the, Hey, I'll do a few 10 Ks around here. Cause it's super hilly where you live. I've been there and (laughs) it's beautiful, but it's super hilly. Yeah, so the Mont 100 goes by our house. We're at, we sit at like mile 87. So it, it's it's right in our town, which makes it easier. Um, so it's it's a very social. And I think for me, and I think, you know, what my husband and I talk about a lot with, with BCR too, is to get into these type of endurance sports for, for us, for me personally, um, if I don't have a why, I think it makes in a race. And I, you know, I say that loosely because, you know, it's not a race to me. <laughs> We're out there for the long haul, but you know, when you're in that really low moment, you need to, to draw on something. So if you're just doing it to, you know, oh, I just want to say I did it or I don't know. I think you just need something a little bit deeper mm-hmm. to get through those moments. So that makes perfect sense. And so like, what would you, I mean, if you're comfortable sharing it, what would yeah. you kind of say your why is? Yeah. I just feel like I need to kind of get myself out of my head a little bit. I need to push myself. I need to feel my heart um, pumping for the Vermont 100. For me, my why is pretty easy because I fundraise for Vermont Adaptive, which is obviously the organization that Laura Farrell started. So I know, you know, we're blessed to get to do what we get to do. And I feel very fortunate um, to be able to run, to be able to feel, you know, the air in my lungs, to be able to, you know, the breeze in my hair. And so I just, I just feel lucky that even though it's, it's hard, it's a good hard, you know, it, it gets you just less soft. Like I just, I just love to just push myself, whatever that is. If if it's a hard mile or, you know, a long hundred mile or whatever you like to do, you know, I just think being able to push yourself out of your comfort zone is, is a big enough why for me. And then being able to um, help people be able to enjoy the sports that I like to enjoy. Yeah, no, that's awesome. So you talked before, so you have two kids, obviously they're older, so they, you know, it's probably less of an issue now, but you were training for endurance riding once upon a time. The other thing that I'm interested in hearing about is like, how do you incorporate, I mean, because I got to believe that training for any kind of ultra event is just hours and hours and hours and hours. How did you make that work? Like you had a family, you had a, you know, a job, like you were working, you know, you, you had a life, like how does that work? How do you make that work? So definitely different. Um, when, when they were younger, um, guy wasn't doing hundred mile races yet on foot. Like we both do together now, even though we always chuckle because when we would come down to the Vermont 100, he would always say, I'm going to run that someday. And we, we did laugh like we laughed, (laughs) Um, but he did. And, um, and then I followed his suit. But anyways, um, when they were younger, you know, we would have to definitely take turns getting out early. I remember, you know, tacking up my horse early and and getting out on, um, you know, kind of a loop that's called top of the world. And I would be out there, you know, super early, even in the dark with the horse, go out for a quick eight, 10 miler. Horses definitely keep their condition a little better on your own two feet. You definitely have to have a, you know, a schedule. So there's a lot of trading off in our town. It's really cool. There's a lot of people who run, a lot of people that do a lot of outdoor things. Um, but we would have like a group run on like, say, some babysitter. <laughs> so we would have one of someone's older kid come and, and kind of watch the whole group. And sometimes I think we had like, you know, 10, 12 kids and we'd have a couple babysitters. So we'd all go out on our group runs. So you, you kind of figure it out. It's getting up early or going out late. You know, you make it work. You Not binge watching Game of Thrones <laughs> on Netflix for seven days in a row. We still do like TV here and there. <laughs> 
<laughs> but yeah, I think if, if it's important enough to you, you'll find the hours in the day to, to get it done. Well, and I love that, um, that whole suggestion about the whole like cooperative babysitting thing, like just find a couple people who have, you know, kids of varying ages and, you know, yeah. just if you build your posse strategically, you can kind of make that work too. Oh, like yeah. might as well make the kids work for it also. Oh, they loved it. They just were like, is it Sunday? You know, so they, as kids, they just loved it. And it would usually switch. Like we'd start at someone's house and then the next week it would be his house. So it kind yeah. of would kind of go on like that. So it was fun. Those are great memories that we kind of hold on to still. So yeah, for sure. Yeah. So tell me about um, Blue Collar Runners. Let's get into that because part of what made me super excited to talk to you was just that site and just its emphasis on amplifying the stories of anybody, not just, you know, somebody who's going to get written about in, you know, ultra running magazine, but like, just, just whoever, whoever is kind of taking it upon themselves to get out there and push themselves a little bit. Um, tell me more about kind of what, you know, how that came about and, you know, what your goals are with that. Yeah. So, um, it was on a, a really foggy run in October of, um, 2018. Um, my husband and I do a lot of running together and a lot of races. Something that, again, like you said, we can share stories of not just elites. Like I love to read about the elite, but where I get most of my inspiration from is just the everyday person that I meet, like either at a race or in town or wherever, you know, they work, they have kids, maybe they don't, but you know, they are just doing things that are pretty extraordinary, but they're, they're everyday people. They're your next door neighbor. They're your grocery clerk. They're your whoever. Um, so we just got really inspired to say, you know what, we could take interview someone and then we can write their story. And so that's kind of how it came to be. Um, it doesn't matter if you run a mile or a hundred miles. And we just started chatting with these people and the things that we learned were incredible. I mean, we've interviewed people with addiction, diversity, you know, growing up all over. I mean, we've interviewed people from all over. So then we ended up taking our idea to ultra running magazine. And, you know, we said, again, we love reading about the elites, but I'm, we're more inspired by the people that are everyday people. So we ended up getting a column on their online um, to share these stories. And it's been really fun. It's been neat to see, you know, people, they're so excited when they get to see. And again, it's, it's, it's short. It's, six to 800 words. So I would love to be able to write way more about them, but we can at least get a glimpse into their lives um, and share that with people. Yeah, no, it, it, they're, they're super, they're super fun and inspiring. And, you know, to your point, it's just like, this is what's been inspiring me this whole time is, is realizing that these people that have just cool, amazing stories, they're just walking around downtown, you know, oh, right yeah. by you. <laughs> it's like, if you <laughs> It's like yeah. if you stop to just ask a couple questions, like the stuff that you hear and find out about, you're like, holy cow, that's amazing. Yeah, it's it's really cool. And it's um, I think it's inspiring for people maybe even listening to say, you know, I could do that. Like that's something I could do. And I kind of feed off of that. If I see somebody, you know, take on a neat challenge, I'll be like, we could do that. We could totally try that. And I don't think it hurts to try. I mean, I think that's your first step is to just you know, get up and just, that's kind of what I've always said, get up, get out, like just get outside yeah. um, and just see where your feet will take you. <laughs> yeah, no, that's, and that's great. So let's, um, I, I want to just segue into a quick, so what, you know, if you're, 
talking to somebody like that. So you've, you know, you have met somebody who really wants to get back at it or get back into it, or, you know, somebody who's coming back from a crazy injury and wants to do something different or can't do the activity they used to do. You know, what would, what would your two or three things be that you would suggest? Like, here's how you start. Yeah. I'd say first, it's okay to be on a different path. Like it's okay for change. Um, I was really against change. I think if there's something you want to do and it's, it's something you've never done, that's okay. Like change is good. I think it's good to evolve into, you know, I think we're always evolving and I think that's a good thing. Um, Mm -hmm. I would say learn. I love to absorb from people. So if there's anybody in your community or someone you can reach out to, that's willing to kind of say, yeah, you know, I'll share my experiences with you. Um, I'll share my mistakes with you. I love to be a sponge. Like I just love to soak that kind of stuff up. So, you know, immerse yourself with people that are, are, um, are willing to share. And it goes back to just don't be afraid to try, you know, it's okay to fail. It's okay okay to fail. And and I guess, you know, my, my other thing is always like, it's not about the gear. (laughs) Like you don't need a lot of money. You don't, I mean, there's some things that, you know, to try, you definitely need to gear yourself up and, but that's, you can rent something, give it a, give it a whirl, try it one time. Yeah. A lot of it is just, you know, you need a good, you do need a good pair of shoes. You know, if you're going to get into running, I am a, a proponent, you know, making sure you have good shoes that fit because that's just going to give, you know, longevity. I, that's probably my, my biggest thing is longevity. I want to be able to do this for a long time. Yeah. So longevity is super important to me. So rest days, you know, making sure that you're, you're keeping your body healthy, you know, so. Yeah, for sure. Now on that note, I'm interested to hear, cause I, I heard Laura's story about hamburgers and Coke. So, but I'm pretty sure that's not how you feel yourself when you're out on long runs and or horse rides. So want to give me a little sense of, um, you know, kind of what are some of your go-tos when you kind of are knowing you're going to go out and push yourself past, you know, that breakfast sandwich you had this morning. Yeah. So, um, with, um, ultra running, it's funny cause my stomach has been my nemesis, um, So it is important if you're doing long distance um, to really train your stomach. And you can do that by just trying different foods and um, eating. I mean, eating is the big thing. Usually I've kind of figured it out a little bit. Nausea comes a lot of times, one, obviously from dehydration. So you got to make sure that you're staying hydrated. And I'm a go-to for Tailwind. It's a kind of a electrolyte supplement that you mix in with water. So I'm I'm a huge supporter of that um, because it just makes me feel good. And I know I'm getting my electrolytes. And then, um, you know, a lot of times when I was nauseous, I wasn't eating and you can't go that far without eating. And the problem is it starts more nauseous you're getting. So I've really had to work hard at um, making myself eat. It's not easy sometimes on long distance runs because it's hot or, you know, your stomach's kind of jostling a lot. Spring energy gels, which are, they're a little more of a a whole food. They've got rice and, and fruit. Um, so I, you dropped out for a sec. What, what brand were you talking about or what type? Um, of- I, I use um, spring energy gels. Spring energy gels. Yep. Okay. And that's, it's a more, you know, I'm not going to say anything bad about other gel companies, but this one's more real food. So it's yeah, less chemicals and fruit and it's, I don't know how they mix it together, but, um, and then I've just learned to eat real food. So, mm-hmm. you know, little bites, <laughs> you don't have to eat like you know, tons of stuff at once, but if you can kind of graze along the way, I do get jealous of people who can just kind of go into an aid station and whole aid station and chow down. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not that kind of runner. I I'm, 
I definitely have a more sensitive stomach in that sense, but, um, yeah. Well, and I think that that certainly would be, you know, anybody who's getting going, what, what point, like, I know it's going to be different for everybody, but you know, when you're getting started and you're starting to train, I mean, sometimes I think people go a little too far if they're just going out for, you know, 20 minutes, 30 minutes, 40 minutes, like for them, something, a distance that maybe, or a time that seems long, mm-hmm. like they've got like the whole belt on and, you know, <laughs> like, but, I, but I think yeah. from a, from a physical standpoint, you could probably, like, at what point do you feel like you've exerted to the point where you actually need to start eating a little bit more? Yeah, I would say like 10 miles. I like to definitely have something with me. I am definitely someone that loves to have my water with me (laughs) or my electrolytes. So you'll probably see me a little lower, you know, in mileage with that. Um, I I like to have my, I like to have my my, um, water bottle. (laughs) Oh yeah, no, for Uh, sure. Definitely. Definitely. I see the roll of water, but sometimes like food other stuff miles would be where I, you know, start wanting to. A couple hours. Yeah. 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 Um, but it's like, if you're training, training your stomach is, is just as important as training, training your, um, you know, your whole body. So, yeah, because um, it's definitely one of the things that will get people in trouble at an ultra is their stomach. So, yes. And, and at any distance, I would add that yes. never do anything the day of that you haven't already done a <laughs> no. million times when you're training. Oh yeah. No, try to stick with the plan and, um, no yeah. new gear, no new food. <laughs> <laughs> no, no new gear. Oh, So, um, yeah, that's funny. Um, all right. Awesome. This, this has been amazing. You've been like, just killing it. I love all this stuff that you're sharing here. Um, but you know, we all have to get on with our day. So I want to fast forward. I want to get into, um, just some of my random questions that I like to ask at the end. So, Obviously, I am sure that your number one place to race is where you are, and your number one races would be the Vermonts 150, whatever. But maybe what are your other one or two races that stand out in your mind as just being the best, like either because of the energy of the race or the location, or what have been some of your favorites? Yeah. Um, let's see. I would say. We haven't swayed too far to, out of New England, but um, we did do one out in Arizona, which was really cool. The um, Havelina, we did 100K out there. So that was just cool to run by the cactus and, um, you know, just be out in the middle of the desert compared to- how was, and, and how was it for, um, like, I would think that training for something like that would be hard because you're here in the Northeast and you've got like a totally different set of kind of- Oh yeah, it was hot. Climate challenges. <laughs> like, what is it like to go out? <laughs> how do you prepare for that? I always chuckle when people say, oh, well, it's a dry heat. It'll be okay. <laughs> it's still hot. <laughs> Not when you're running it, ain't. <laughs> um, that one was was neat in itself that, you know, we definitely had to slow down even more than we are. We're not super speedy at these. Um, but, you know, you just kind of took your time. I just wanted to soak it in because it was just such a just such a change of scenery. And that one was just big. It was like a big party. Like there's so much going on. And then um, one of an elite runner, Jim Wamsley, happened to be at one of the aid stations. So I was just tickled to get my picture with him. So that was that's, a cool. That's what I think people don't um, think about with the ultra thing. I think some people think you run the whole time, but it's like, oh no. Oh no. There's a, like, there's a lot of what we like to call selfies, you know. <laughs> eating, you know, when you can. Um, no, there's a, there's a lot of walking involved, but you know, if you can walk with purpose, try to keep your just for, you know, momentum. 
I would say probably my thing I lack on is sometimes I sit at the aid stations too long. So I have to work on get in, get out, you know, don't, don't linger. <laughs> no dilly dallying. No. <laughs> All right. So Arizona would be one. Can you think of anything else? I mean, yeah, and then you, know, I, you were like, talking about going to Canada. I was like, that's pretty cool. Except yeah, for the panic was, attack when you thought you were going to die. Yes, that was um, with horses. So I did do um, several rides up in Canada, which was really cool. And on horseback, my mom had had gotten um, a riding trip to Dubai. Um, so we actually oh, got wow. to do a ladies race um, on horseback. That was months before I got hurt. Um, so that was my last big race on horseback was in um, Dubai. So that was cool because there I got to ride by a ton of camels. I wanted to pack one in my suitcase and bring that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I love animals, but that was a unique experience. Oh uh, yeah. Like, Talk about uh, desert riding. Yes. That's a totally different. Yeah. <laughs> um, so that's probably the craziest place I've ever ridden. And then if I could do one more run, I would probably say um, we have a really cool race called Run Amok um, in April. So it's kind of the first ultra of the year around here. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's, I like to think of it as it's very homegrown. Jonathan Vass, he's a local runner and he puts it on and it's just very, it's Vermont style. You just, you get your bib and you just kind of put it on and, you know, just sign in. It's very, it's just one of the best locals. There's only like a hundred people in it. And it's a bib and go. Do they yeah. give you maple syrup or anything like that for your, for your prize? Yeah. I, <laughs> I did one over in Woodstock. It was just a little, you know, I forget what it was called. Ro Road to the Pogue or something oh, like that. Oh yeah, that's a great one. Oh my God. It was so fun. Like it was, you know, we had not really trained that well and it starts out on this huge hill and we're just, oh, yeah. and I were like, oh, but you know, you, we did it on this great day where it was kind of foggy and you come down out of the woods and there was like a bagpiper just like that just yeah. kind of came out of nowhere and was playing bagpipes by the pond. I'm like, this is the coolest oh, thing cool. ever. Who oh, thinks of this stuff? It's awesome. And they were giving away. Touches. You know, I love the different touches yeah. at different races. So. And there's all these people that are just like super fit and like did it in like two seconds and they're getting like, here's your maple syrup. Good right, day. right. And that's the other thing I love about running too is is you see like so many different ages and body types and genders. And I, I think it's such an inclusive sport. And I think if I could give one little wisdom nugget is to people that are just starting and I'll say this all the time, the first mile is the hardest. Yeah. So if you're just starting running, try to get past that first mile because even, I mean, we've been running, you know, I've been running for the past, well, almost five years now, like regularly that first mile is always the hardest still. Yeah. <laughs> so like, don't give up on that first, first mile, get through yeah. that. Because even when you're running a lot, the first mile is the hardest. <laughs> yeah. And I could say, as you get older, it, it certainly doesn't get any less pleasant. No, <laughs> you got to warm up. <laughs> I'm trying to get back into it now. And I'm just like, oh yeah, that, yeah. I, that has to be my mantra. Cause right now yeah. I am I'm having a hard time. time with that first mile. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, that's awesome. That is that is the nugget of all nuggets right there. Um, so, and then my last question that I love to ask everybody is, and you can't say anything you've already said. You've already okay. given me all these these good little tips about your food and stuff. But what is your favorite piece of gear that costs less than fifty dollars? Hmm. I, I think I was just talking about this the other day because um, we've been doing all these crazy adventures this year. Just it's almost like my year of strength, like a lot of climbing mountains. Nice. So I would say um, Solomon makes this really cool filter mm -hmm. um, that you can attach to your um, flask bottles and you can dip out of any sort of water source. So oh, that nice. 
I would say would be my go-to just because now we can run a little more free mm -hmm. um, and we don't have to one hide water or worry about running out of water because I mean, it is dry this year, but um, we can fill up. So the other day we were climbing the mountain and we ran out of water and we could just fill up off of the, out of the little stream. So it wasn't the biggest stream. I was like, Ooh, I hope we're good, but it was great. But great. Yeah. <laughs> you're, you're still standing. So, yeah, still standing. <laughs> so I think it's a great way to just kind of be a little more free when you're out there. Cause you don't have to worry about it. Yeah, no, that's great. And uh, so you say you've been doing a lot of COVID climbing. What's been uh, your one or two favorite hikes you've done so far? Um, probably I would have to say we just, we just did a crazy one on our mountain that we can just look right out the front door, um, Mount Escutney. Uh -huh. Um, so we got inspired by a friend in town, uh, Eli, and he did this crazy kind of like assault on Escutney. Uh -huh. So you take all five of the trails, um, that go up and down and you go up and down them in one day. So wow. we did, it was about miles with 12,600 feet of elevation climbing. How many miles? I, I lost 29 29 holy crap yeah and then 12 12,600 elevation so that that was good that kicked our butt <laughs> yeah I can uh, imagine um for anyone out there who doesn't isn't familiar with the Scotney, it was a ski hill once upon a time and is again now a community um supported one essentially and there's yeah. like crazy mountain bike trails and there's is it a state park on one side or state park yes remember. yeah owns part and then they've just they put a rope toe back in and a t-bar yeah um, oh that's right the t-bar yeah. so it's it's definitely coming more alive and like you said um lots of trails biking trails it's it's a gem right now lots back. of vertical though so lots of vertical yes one of the trails um that we love you get almost 2100 feet in two miles so it's a lot <laughs> Yeah, I love I love that you say you love that trail. Most of us are kind of like, oh, that would not be my first choice. <laughs> so that that was kind of neat because it was close to home. And then um, I always wanted to do the loop in the White Mountains. Which I wanted loop? to do that. It's called the Pemi. Oh yeah. Uh huh. And you hit I think eight of the four thousand footers on one loop, and that's around like thirty-one miles. Mm -hmm. And it's something we always wanted to do. And you know, when you're training for something, it's just never quite fits in. Yeah. Um, so this year was like, we're just doing things that we really want to do, like just different adventures that don't cost anything. You just, just get outside. So. And are your boys big runners, hikers? They're funny. They, I think we could coerce them a little more when they were little. <laughs> yeah. Actually, when they were younger, did a lot of 25 Ks, um, 5 Ks, 10 Ks. And it's cool. Now they have their own things they love. So my oldest son really loves golf and my youngest really loves basketball. So, oh, you know, they cool. kind of, they love their own things, which I love too. So, yeah, I guess, and, and I'm going all over the place here because I'm just, things are coming to my mind. My other question um, and then I, I want to talk about where people should reach you and everything, but what um, kind of ultra running, lots of running. So most of us, especially as we get older, are worried about kind of injury related to just overuse and overdoing one particular thing. What types of activities would you recommend for cross training for, for long distance running? Yeah. So I've really fallen in love with hiking. I mean, mm -hmm. it's definitely, I know you're still on your feet. Um, with my arm, I can't really do a ton of biking. It really hurts my upper body. Um, yeah. but hiking has been really good because I don't feel like we're pounding our joints as, as much as running does. Mm -hmm. Um, so I would say running, I mean, sorry, hiking, because like you were saying too, with ultras, you're doing a lot of power hiking up those hills anyways. Mm -hmm. So it's 
another part of your training that you really should be honing in on. Yeah. Uh, so I've really loved that. And I've, you know, this mountain's been in our backyard for the last 15 years. And, you know, we climb it definitely, you know, once a year with the boys. But I think this year we're up to like 30, 35 climbs this year. So oh, wow. it's been fun just having it. It's in our backyard. So it's, it's you know. It's in your backyard and you got the Brownville country store right there and you go to Harpoon for a beer later. It's just, it's in a pretty, pretty sweet spot. It is in a nice spot. So yeah, that's awesome. Well, Krista, where would you have people kind of find you or reach out to you? Yeah. So, um, definitely look us up on the blue collar website and that's bluecollarrunners.com. Um, I am taking a little hiatus off of social media. Usually I am on there and I love like just following everyone's journeys. Um, for me, I'm just taking a little step back um, yeah. off of that for a little bit. But um, I, think, normally, I think that's a lot of people. What a lot of people are doing <laughs> after yeah. all these months of being just like on devices 24 seven. It's like you know, I need a break. That's what I said. And I just I just want to be outside more. So yeah, me, and it's um, a beautiful time of year to be doing that. Yes. <laughs> yes. So definitely, um, there's an easy way to get a hold of us through Blue Collar Runners. So awesome. And if Thanks. you have a story that you want to share, we would love to we would love to hear your story. So um, that's great. We're always looking for people. So if you know of anyone too, um, Jen, send them our way. I will absolutely. That's awesome. Well, thank you, Krista. This has been super fun. I really appreciate your time this morning and. And just sharing all this inspiration and, and really coming from, coming from the gut. I mean, like that is a really just hellacious story about the horse. And yeah. I, it's pretty amazing that, you know, in the last five years, you have just been able to recover from that to the extent that you have and done what you've done. And it's just, it's awesome. And I appreciate your efforts too on just doing the things that I like to do, which is tell good stories about cool people. I love it. Yes, I love it. I love just, I just love learning about people. So awesome. Well, thank you again. Yeah. Thanks for having me. So I have to note the weekend after I spoke to her, Krista joined our episode 15 guest, Laura Farrell, for a virtual 50K and was nice enough to send me a picture of them after they finished along with an update to her social media status. Basically, Zuckerberg sucked her back in as we all get sucked back in. So I'm okay to share her Instagram deets with you. After all, she is at Blue Collar Runners and VT Runner Mom. Those are her two accounts on Instagram. And of course, you need to check out all of the great stories and inspiration on their blog, bluecollarrunners.com. Speaking of social media and the internet, here's what a Luddite I am. I'm 17 episodes in and had never actually looked at Apple Podcasts to see what was going on over there, but I finally did, and I'm super pumped that a few of you have gone the extra mile to leave a rating. And an extra grateful shout-out is going to Kayak Girly for her lovely review. Here's what she said. Inspirational. I'm so happy I came across this podcast. It is encouraging and informative. I certainly want to get off the couch and get out there and reconnect with my younger self. I especially loved the story about the woman who was pushed by her dad to lead a group of Girl Scouts when she was only 17. Okay, that is exactly why I started doing this. I want us all, myself included, to grab on to any thread of inspiration that'll get us off the couch and out there to reconnect to ourselves. Not just our younger self, but the self we know is hiding in there somewhere. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Kayak Girly, for sending me some extra inspiration to keep on keeping on. And FYI, she's talking about Jean Christie way back in episode four. If you haven't listened to that one yet, I hope you'll check it out. You can get to it on our website, guidesgonewild.com. 
And we are at Guides Gone Wild on Facebook and Instagram, too, if you want to join our social community as well. Leaves are turning out there, so I hope you have plans to get up and get out this weekend, as Krista would say. It's never too late to grab a friend, fill up your Nalgene, and just see where your feet will take you. So until next week, stay safe, wear your mask, and make sure you're getting a little wild.